Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed Local Provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. Security sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC. Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner and an investment advisor with 19 years' experience in providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. also have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with uh, planning and investments for over 20 years. We're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly radio show. We are right here every Saturday like today from 9 to 10 a.m. And uh, if you haven't recovered from the snow yet, you may be, you know, stuck in your house. Probably not. Oh, but, yeah. Um, I don't think so. You can always <laughs> go to our website, moneymd.net, and, um, you know, big snow event this last week and pretty much cleared out. Um, so <laughs> go, go listen to us on online, right? There's a little link up in the top right. right-hand corner. We make it easy. Who knows? They may be buried in a snowdrift somewhere still, John. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, South Carolina, that would that would happen. This is Georgia. not Minnesota. This is no, South Carolina. No, no, right. Thank goodness, though, we don't live up there because, oh, I mean, man. they've <laughs> had a brutal winter yes. up there in the Northeast and the Midwest and all those areas. It's that yeah. global warming stuff. That must be it, yeah. Tune in to the download, uh, tune in radio app. Um, download that and, uh, to your smartphone. To me, that's the best way to listen because you can carry it around the house with you. You know, mm. anything you're doing, you have us right there. Plus, you can program it to record our show if you get the pro version of the tune in radio app. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an awesome way to uh, yep, do it. Cool. You can listen anywhere you want to. So also check us out on our website, moneymd.net, where you can link to us there and uh, email us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. You can also reach us by email directly at info at moneymd.net. Well, John, I think we have an awesome show lined up here for today. Um, do you have a prediction? A prediction? Big big game tomorrow? The big game? Yeah. Um, no, actually, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I just I don't, I don't really feel feel it, you know. I'm I'm as it'll be interesting. I love yeah. watching the Super Bowl, but the commercials, are the, the commercials best. are interesting. The, the game's always fun, but typically, yeah, you know, I'm pulling for Peyton. Yeah, I don't know. He's just a good yeah. guy, you know. Yeah, he is. He is. I'd like to see them win. Yeah, I, uh, I think so. Yeah, but uh, no favorite, huh? Nah, not not really. I think the, really. the Broncos are favored by three or four points, but yeah. we'll see. Yeah, I've seen that. I think it's it's a toss up. You know, it could be either one. Sure, no doubt. Be fun though. Always is. All right. Well, um, yeah, the first topic we're going to be talking about today uh, is the jobless recovery and Obama's recovery fails to resonate with Americans as they're left behind. Yeah. I mean, um, is it really real? I mean, that's a big question here. That's exactly right. It's an article out of Bloomberg. And, you know, it, it just really there's some interesting stats in here that I hadn't seen. I mean, mm-hmm. that's one reason why I picked up on this article was there's. There's stuff in here that I was like, wow, really? Is it that bad? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, worst it's ever been on record. So, yeah, I mean, tune in for this. You're, you're going to you're gonna be interested in some of these stats to really kind of point to where we're at and how slow this recovery's been. Yeah, and we're also going to uh, talk about some insurance um, mistakes, right? There's five of them. Yeah, that's right. And uh, we talk about insurance periodically here, but you've, uh, you've got a great uh, topic here, I think. Yeah, it is. You know, it's the five insurance buying mistakes to avoid. Um, you, you, insurance is one of those things that kind of sneaks up on you. You just forget about it. You think everything's okay. 
And then something happens, and lo and behold, you know, you, you hadn't really updated your policies. Yeah. And they don't cover what you think they cover. So, yeah, tune in for this. This is a good article, too. You're really going to need to uh, to get your get pen and paper point, out for this one, get right? Get some points on that one. Exactly. Yeah. And we're going to uh, end with an article. Um, still new year. We've got resolutions, five ways to prepare your retirement uh, in the new year. Some, some you know, different angles on some things that we've talked about in the, in the past. So stick around for the uh, last segment of the show. But... I think we're going to start off here with the uh, financial fact. That's right. Financial fact of the week. Yeah, this comes from the Department of Labor talking about just crazy increases in tuition. And we, yeah, this is kind of important to you and me. Near and dear to our hearts. Yes, we have uh, kids in, in college. And, and here's the fact is uh, annual tu- tuition and fees at a four year private college have increased almost 500% in the last 30 years. And that's more than three and a half times larger. Then the inflation increase, which was about 133% over the same time. So, I mean, the education spending, they just have no control. It's kind of like the government. Yeah, I call them the college cartels. Yeah. You know? I mean, they have a lock on on education, and um, if they can raise the prices, they will. And I think that's really been the function of just more money has been made available for college. Mm-hmm. And so universities have just soaked that right up, you know, by raising their fees and said, no problem, man. We'll just keep building our our uh, our empire here, and we'll build new buildings, and you know, yep. more you know, higher higher professor tuition. I mean, you know, salaries and that kind of stuff. But they just really haven't. I don't think they've increased the capacity mm-hmm. of of uh, accepting students, and they haven't really increased the availability of learning. And I think the future for college really is online. Yeah, I do too. Online education. And there's some ways that you can combat that cost increase. Instead of going to a, a, a college off, you know, an hour, two hours, Clemson, Carolina, great local schools. You can cut your bill in half, uh, sometimes 75% if you stay local for a couple of years. Use some ESA accounts, education savings accounts, 529 accounts is a great deal in South Carolina. So there's some options to help you trim the cost, but the inflation it's got to, something's got to change in the future. It really does. It is out of control and out of reach for most Americans if you, you know, take away, you know, the huge grants and things. Yeah, Rachel uh, Cruz, who is Dave Ramsey's daughter, was speaking at our churches last week, um, and she threw out a stat which was interesting. $32,000 is the average student loan that someone graduates with. That's a shame. That's a huge amount. I mean, that's $500, $600 a month that students are paying out when they graduate. It's a big hole. Big hole. It, it is. really is. It, so it's a shame, but. Yeah, interesting fact of the week. That's a good one. All right, and that leads us up here to our first topic, and that is the jobless recovering economy. Um, it's an article out of Bloomberg entitled um, Obama's Recovery Fails to Resonate with Americans as Americans are Left Behind. And, you know, John, I mean, just as the world's largest economy is finally getting better, and that, that being us, um, public opinion of President Obama's handling of it is getting worse. Mm-hmm. You know, the U.S. economy wrapped up its sixth best performance um, since the recession ended, according to estimates by economists Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley. And the jobless rates now below 7% for the first time since 2008. So, yeah, you might ask yourself, what's the problem? Um, but yet Obama, um, I mean, well, we just say we have a, they have a weakening approval ratings for Obama on the economy. And so what's happening? Republicans and some Democrats say it's the voters are left behind in the recovery, and they now blame him and not his predecessor, yeah. George Bush. We're finally past the Bush, blaming Bush after I, I think so. five years. That's right. You know, and that could punish um, Obama's fellow Democrats, this 
uh, congressional election. At some point, they say the president is going to start owning the economy, and um, you know that could be the point where we're at. Yeah, there was a, a poll last month uh, by Bloomberg, and 58% of Americans disapprove of Obama's economic stewardship, and that's his worst showing since September of 2011. Some more surveys by the Wall Street Journal um, and uh, Quinnipiac University, they showed similar results. And at the root of the dissatisfaction are, are really flatlining household income and a jobs market that really hasn't fully recovered uh, from the worst recession in seven decades. So some of the economic news is not um, not real pretty. And, you know, it's interesting, the contrast between improving growth and deteriorating presidential approval, it's frustrating a lot of White House allies. I mean, um, they say, you know, Obama and the Democratic House and Senate candidates, they need to convince voters that things are looking up because 2014 elections are right around the corner. And, you know, the, the president and the Democrats, they have a lot to do is what some folks are saying that are um, aligned um, with uh, with Obama. They have to make the case better because right now in public opinion, they're losing, you know, the argument. That's right. And we're not here to beat up on the president and the Democrats. No, I mean, it's, you it's, know, it's just it's just the realities of the statistics that you know that they're pointing to here and uh and it really is impactful i mean the issue is a lot more than political i mean for most families recovery just doesn't feel much different than it did during the recession um real median household income is fifty one thousand dollars and that's eight percent lower than it was in 2007 it's seven years ago that's seven years ago so almost four million people have been out of work for more than six months that's three times the pre-recession average. Um, you know, one-third, uh, here's just a startling statistic to me, John, that, that you know, is, is a shame. That is one-third of black men aren't even in the labor force. Mm. That's the highest mark since records began in 1972. And there are fewer people with jobs today than there were six years ago. Yeah, so the, the jobless rate being below 7% is really... Is really not true. If they included people who aren't even looking, I mean, it's double digits. Yeah, when you start talking about the employment rate, you know, the, the total employment rate, that's that's a problem. Yeah, it says amid uh, such distress, I mean, voters give the president little credit for the economic turnaround since 2009, and that's reflected in the gain of some 170 percent in the S&P, um, you know, 500. Uh, one of the indications of, of Obama's limited coattails came this last week um, during a presidential visit visit to North Carolina mm -hmm. here recently, um, where he he touted the Manufacturing Innovation Institute. He toured the Manufacturing Innovation Institute, and Democratic Senator um, uh, Kay Hayes, who faces a tough reelection fight um, in the state with 7.4 percent unemployment, mm -hmm. she opted not to not to show up for that. Yeah, she that, remained in Washington rather than accompany the president. That says a lot, right there. She's not on the coattails of the president making a visit. She doesn't want to have anything to do with it. No, because unfortunately, his uh, his ratings have have decreased. I saw another poll uh, late this last week, and it showed the same thing that um, you know, tough, uh, tough, tough going, tough sledding for the president right now. Yeah, it really is. All right, that leads up to our break here. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net, or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD with John and Steve. We'll be right back after these messages. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. 
I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. And we are continuing the discussion here before the break um, about the uh, jobless recovery, really. You know, it's Obama's recovery fails to resonate with Americans that are left behind. Um, it's an article out of Bloomberg here just uh, a week or so ago. And, you know, John, I mean, the, the statistics really are kind of startling to mm-hmm. me. Um, the number of people that are out of work, even as the unemployment rate has dropped below 7% now for the first time in six years, um, just this last December, yet we still have, you know, just a remarkable number of people that are, that are looking for work and the job, their, the actual employment rate is very, very low. I mean, there are almost 4 million people, as we pointed out, that have been out of work for more than six months. That's three times the pre-recession average. And, you know, there are fewer people with jobs today than there were six years ago. Yeah, and I think that's why his uh, approval ratings are eventually, taking a hit. Eventually that catches up with you. You know, I mean, the, you can kind of polish it up for a while and make it look good on the outside, but eventually people that are out of work, you know, they get disenchanted, mm-hmm. and they don't care how good the statistics are. You know, the median household income is 8% lower than it was in 2007. Yeah, that's, um, you know, that's a so tough stat. That's a really tough stat. I mean, that's the average day-to-day person out there. And you just can't get around that. Yeah, and so some of the, um, you know, some of the studies and and uh, polls that are out there by a forty nine percent to forty one percent, voters now blame policies of the present, which is the Obama administration, rather than policies of the past for their economic problems. And that's really a reversal, even from a year earlier. That's from a um, Republican pollster, and, and Black Americans, uh, which have been Obama's most loyal supporters unfortunately, are among the hardest hit um, by the uneven recovery. There's a gentleman up in Detroit um, who lost a $32,000 a year job as a record uh, clerk for an accounting firm almost two and a half years ago, and his unemployment benefits ran out back in January of 2013, so over a year, and so he had to tap his retirement savings to, to pay the bills, so he got um, you know, a lump sum of about $100,000, he has, you know, less than a third of that. So he's basically spending down his retirement. And unfortunately, Clark was among the, uh, about, you know, almost 20% of the black workers who were unemployed at some point during the last year. And that's according to the Economic Policy Institute. And, you know, though he remains a, an Obama supporter, he's very frustrated with the political bickering in Washington. And I, I second that. I mean, it's a, it's amazing how they just, you know. It's a shame. It really is because it's affecting can't get anything done. It's affecting folks like this. And he would like to see unemployed people not treated as a stigma, he said. It's not like it's our fault. You know, you you got to help the people or else nothing's going to work. So there's some other things that we're going to talk about that some states are doing. But, um, you know, two and a half years, that's a long time. And then, unfortunately, he's having to eat into his retirement. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it really comes down to – um, at some point, I think the Democrats and the president have to put politics aside and have to focus on getting people back to work and helping the average person. You know, I mean, you can have all the ideologies about, um, you know, uh, income equality and, you know, all these things that they would love to see on the, you know, global scale um, improved in our society. But you gotta eventually you gotta come back to the fact that you gotta get people back to work and you gotta get people you know get their incomes going up, um, even if you have these grandiose ideas of of somehow you know socializing our society. And that's 
That's where I think they're at. I mean, they're in prop, they're in trouble because they've neglected yeah, job jobs. number one. Yeah, which is jobs. Which is jobs, exactly. You know, yeah, I mean, the economy created just 74,000 jobs in December. It's only 62.8% um, of the working age Americans are employed or actively seeking work. That is the lowest mark since February 1978. So almost 63%, only about 63% of the average working age Americans are working. Mm. That leaves, what, 37% that are not working. Yeah, that's... So the employment rate is dismal. And, you know, there's a mix of baby boomer retirements and job seeker uh, discouragement that's behind the slump and the labor force participation rate, economists say. But um, in April uh, 2013, the Boston Fed study blamed cyclical factors um, for the labor participation decline since 2007. A later study by economist, uh, you know, from Philadelphia Fed, he concluded that retirement of baby boomers, those born between 46 and 64, explained the entire drop since the first quarter of 2012. Um, so, you know, it may be misleading, they're saying, you know, to attribute it all to discouragement, but the bottom line is it, it's still there, you mm -hmm. know, and, and the, the government is not helping people get back in the workforce and encouraging them to work. The government is encouraging them not to work, and, and that's, that's really hurting the employment and the economy. Yeah, and some of the economists out there says that they say the data is, is puzzling. And, you know, the participation rate, like we talked about, dropped in the past six months, and it dropped as much as it did in the previous 21 months. Even as there are some other indicators that actually flash some improvement. And, you know, there's an index of small businesses reporting hard-to-fill job openings, and it's at its highest level since 2008 um, when the jobless rate was at 5%. So there are some sectors that have um, – increase their hiring, some of the hard-to-find jobs. But, you know, the jobs that are being created are disproportionately in low-wage sectors, such as hospitality, and half the 2.2 million jobs generated last year were in occupations with wages that didn't keep pace with inflation. I think we kind of saw that in the statistic about the, the average wage being 8% less than in 2007. So, you know, there's, there's peaks of, of good data in there, but for the most part, it's pretty negative. Well, that's right. And, you know, with the negative data like that, um, for the party that's not in office, um, or not in control, the Republicans, that means there's an opportunity. No, they wouldn't do that, would they? <laughs> they wouldn't take advantage of this, no. would they? Well, yeah, I'm afraid they're going to try to take advantage of this, you know, uh, this labor force erosion. And, um, according to House Speaker John Boehner, the president's taking his eye off the ball. So Republicans will campaign this year on jobs and Obama's health insurance overhaul. Um, Boehner told, uh, Obama, yeah. Uh, Boehner told reporters. Yes. So, you know, the botched introduction of the government's health care website has prompted voters to reassess Obama's policies across the board. Health care is the tip of the iceberg, but the rest of the iceberg is the economy. Mm -hmm. So the danger for Republicans, of course, is that they've resisted moves to address the plight of the jobless. Um, Senate Republicans blocked the $6.4 billion extension of unemployment Insurance for 1.3 million Americans whose benefits had expired um, because, you know, how dare them ask for the Congress to actually pay for the, mm -hmm. the extension of unemployment benefits so that they did block it in that sense. But, um, you know, we'll see. 
we'll see how it works out. Yeah, and you know th- this gives another example. Um, a couple up in um, Connecticut, uh, both he and his wife both lost their jobs. Um, Seventeen months ago, she had she returned to work after seven months, but this other gentleman who takes care of um, uh, mother and an uncle says he's applied for like three hundred position. He's only gotten five interviews. I mean, that's that's um, that's pretty pathetic. It is. That's a very low low percentage. I'm sure it's very frustrating. And he's enrolled in a program called Platform to Employment. It's a uh, public-private uh, partnership that helps long-term jobless find some some training um, and maybe temporary wage subsidies. So there are some programs that are helping folks out there. Yeah, I think the bottom line here, John, is you know the economy is having a very weak recovery, and that's going to play out this fall in the uh, mm-hmm. in the elections, the November elections. So we'll see what it does. But you know, they, we we need more jobs and we need more people working and we need higher incomes for the average person to really get the economy going. That's kind of the moral of the story and and where we need to be headed. Um, Okay, though, that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, I had this question actually from a client this last week, and so we kind of talked through it and yep. pros and cons to it. But uh, should I invest in real estate versus the stock market? You know, well, I've heard that question I'm quite a bit as well. Sure, you get that, and uh, you know, I usually boil it down to um, is someone cut out to do real estate, and and doing real estate takes a lot of work. Um, you know, you have you know folks calling, you have damages associated with the property when they leave, you have to find rentals. Um, you know, you and I have talked about this. Um, you know, the return associated with it can fluctuate a little bit. Um, so it's not an easy, it's not as easy as some people make it out to Historically, real estate does not keep up with the stock market. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, and it is risky and it's not a passive investment. It's, it's something you got to be involved in typically. Sure. You know, so, um, real estate's not for everybody and it, it, it takes a lot of work and there are unique risks to it, like liquidity risks that you have to be aware of. I mean, mm-hmm. your money can be tied up for a long time and typically involves leverage. It involves a loan. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you're doing real estate on leverage, there's no doubt that's higher risk than that, investing in the stock market. That's what happened to Dave Ramsey back in the uh, late 80s. They yeah. called his loans, and he had to go. He went bankrupt in his situation. I mean, most but, people don't have the cash to go buy pay cash right. for a you know a piece of property, you know, or a house or a rental or something. So it, it does involve a lot of risk if you're using leverage. So you just got to know what you're doing is the bottom line, and you have to diversify. You yeah. don't want to do all of anything, but uh, just just be careful. Don't do real estate if you don't know what you're doing. And you don't have a big enough asset base to absorb the extra risk that involves. Yep. That's kind of the more. Gotta have story. some extra time too. <laughs> yes, you do. It is not a passive investment. Okay. That leads up to our break here. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call at 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD with John and Steve. We'll be right back after these messages and GM News. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. And uh, we are going to lead off our second segment here um, with a new topic, and that is the five insurance buying mistakes to avoid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, John, I mean, insurance is one of those things that can be, it's easy just to not think about it. It's, it's not a real exciting topic it's not i mean but it's, it's really. so valuable i mean it's, it's important. just important it is to provide some protection for your family is huge but 
Most people don't like sitting down and talking about insurance, except for you and I. We we talk about stuff all the time, right? Well, all kind of financial stuff. The insurance <laughs> isn't my favorite topic, but having said that, it is very, very important, and unfortunately, I found that out. Yes, here. it comes in handy. A couple of years ago. Yeah, I mean, insurance buying can be confusing, um, but you know, when, when you have a house fire or a fender bender or a broken bone, it's important to know, you know, that some of those financial losses are going to be covered and how they're going to be covered. And, for instance, say, I mean, you're away on vacation one summer. Hypothetically speaking. Hypothetically, totally. You know, you get an email and it says your house has been flooded due to a broken pipe. Yeah, it can't be that bad. Yeah, just, yeah. What You know, I, I know. I mean, what are the chances that your plumber maybe would forget to glue one of your pipe joints in the wall? And uh, Less than would, 1%. It just couldn't happen. And then while you're in, it happens while you're on vacation. I mean, what are the chances of that? And causing $35,000 of damage. <laughs> yeah, you you better believe I was very glad to have good homeowners insurance when I got home and saw that disaster. Yeah. That was just a couple of years ago. That was a nightmare. And, uh, you know, in fact, though, I had to just regrout my shower here just this past weekend, John, as a result of that incident because mm. it had created some cracks in the base of the shower because it had swollen up. Mm-hmm. And I tried to seal it with caulking and that just didn't work. So I had to just scrape it all out. It was a huge job. But I mean, yeah, insurance was very important that summer a couple of years ago. And, and so you have to ask yourself, you have to know, I mean, how much insurance coverage do you need? Um, you know, what questions should you ask for buying a policy? I mean, many people aren't sure. I mean, insurance coverage is far from a one size fits all. Mm-hmm. It's different for everybody. Sure. Um, so I mean, here are some of the mistakes that we're going to talk about here for buying insurance and some of the things to consider. And making sure that you don't don't fall into these traps. Number one is a lot of people just assume insurance is kind of out of reach for them, or certain types of insurance. We'll say. I mean, U.S. the U.S. Census Bureau reports that 48 million Americans had no health insurance in 2012. Um, that's a lot of people. It is a lot. Know? I mean, about 30 percent of households have no health insurance, according to uh, Lemra. No life life insurance. Life insurance, yep. yes, yes, life insurance, right. And, and so, you know, and 48 million Americans had no health insurance. That's so, a lot of people. That's a lot of people, right. Um, and so in some cases, I mean, people just skip buying insurance because they think it's out of their budget, you know, that it's something they just really can't afford. Um, but often that's not the case, um, according to the president and CEO of Life Foundation, a nonprofit uh, organization about financial planning and insurance. Life Foundation collaborated with Lemra in 2013 uh, for a study, and they found that the average consumer thinks life insurance is three times more expensive than it actually is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, people are are reaching, um, you know, they're reaching for it and determining. They really don't check in to see what the cost is. It's really the bottom line. Also. Yeah. And and doing some research on this, I think what you're saying is saves a lot of money. I mean, when you look at buying health insurance or property and casualty insurance, you know, ask about potential discounts. Um, you know, two thirds of consumers don't realize they they can get financial help if they buy their own health insurance, and they can get financial help if they go into these health insurance marketplaces. And that's according to a Division of Consumer Reports. Um, they say you may be overpaying if you don't investigate this possibility. And, you know, while health insurance discounts sometimes are uh, income-based, homeowners and autos insurance, they offer a lot of discounts for everything from being a, a member of a group like AARP or maybe being a good student, good driver, having home security systems. So if you don't ask about some of these discounts, they definitely won't give them to you. 
No, right. definitely not. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, number two here on the list is relying on assumptions or outdated figures. Yeah, I mean, how easy is it just to not look back at your insurance, mm-hmm. you know, for years and years and assume everything is good? I mean, yeah, changing economic conditions mean that you might need more insurance coverage than you had in the past. I mean, take life insurance, for example. Um, in the past, consumers might have based their life insurance coverage on their current income. But if something happens and you're no longer around, I mean, your survivors, they may need more capital at work to provide the kind of income um, in your absence. So, um, you know, disability long-term care insurance are even more complicated than the traditional life insurance. And for disability, you want coverage that lasts forever. Or do you want coverage that lasts forever is one of the questions. You know, are, are there health insurance issues, uh, health issues in your family? Um, you know, that's where you need to speak to somebody to get a little bit of guidance. In the case of homeowner's insurance, your home could be um, underinsured if you've renovated or mm-hmm. the cost to, to build a home has increased dramatically in your area um, due to higher material costs or other factors. You know, that's why in- experts recommend reviewing insurance coverage once a year and make sure they still fit your needs. Talk to a, an insurance agent um, if you're not sure about those type of things. But you really have to look at those policies occasionally and make sure they're up to date. Sure. That's good. Very good point. Number three here on the list is, is shopping on just price. Um, you know, when you compare insurance co- uh, policies, it can certainly be confusing. But, you know, you've got to resist the urge to simply choose the uh, policy with the lowest premium. You know, consider the company's reputation is one of the things. Also look at the coverage that you would get with that premium. You know, as a general rule with health insurance, the higher the premium, the lower amount that you're going to pay uh, to the doctor and vice versa. So private health insurance plans, they, they must provide, you know, uh, coverage examples showing what your estimated out-of-pocket cost would be for, like, having a baby or managing type 2 diabetes. So, you know, some examples might not apply to you, but they can help you compare the plans and see how you might pay in uh, co-insurance and co-pays. So I think that's one of the confusing things about Obamacare is they talk about just the premium, but most of those policies have a pretty large deductible, which I think are catching some people by surprise. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, and this article out of U.S. News and World Report, they also point out here that make sure you're shopping apples to apples and getting quotes based on the same coverage that you have. You know, when you go out and shop, um, you know, your property and casualty insurance may not cover things like food spoilage or the event of a power outage or stolen electronics worth more than $1,000. So, you know, you may also want to purchase extra endorsements to cover those extra possibilities mm-hmm. um, for things that aren't covered, maybe jewelry or something like that. Um, with disability long-term care insurance, prices can vary depending on the, the length of the elimination period. Um, that's the amount of time that you have to wait before the coverage kicks in and whether the policy includes inflation protection. So, you know, consider those factors for long-term care or disability insurance. So those are all good points. All right, the, the fourth one here on the list, John, is glossing over the details. You know, a lot of people just kind of look at the big picture and they just just buy a policy based on the big picture and don't really read all the details to understand what it covers. But So make sure that you're, you understand what your insurance policy actually covers. You know, for health insurance, it's cheaper to see doctors who are in network and buy prescription drugs that are covered by the formula formulary um, 
So you need to check and see if your doctor is in network and if your prescription drugs are covered before you buy a policy. Otherwise, you could get a very expensive surprise. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, reading your insurance policy, um, you know, if you don't understand it, contact your insurance agent. Make sure that you understand anything that's unclear. Um, this gentleman uh, talking in this article says, you know, up in Michigan, they have a lot of uh, winter weather. And some people don't know that flooding is not covered under a regular homeowner's insurance policy. So, you can buy a separate flood insurance policy, but it's just not covered under the standard. And, you know, also a lot of people assume that drain and sewer backups are covered by insurance, but many times they're not. So, I mean, this could be a big deal. We had some water come in our basement this last year, and it's not covered by homeowners because it's it's water. And you, know, yeah. you view it as a flood. Well, so, it's a flood. It's yeah. not like a pipe leak. That's right. right. That's yeah, right. that's right. So you got to be aware of all those exclusions and limitations of your policy. Yeah, the last one here on the list is setting your deductibles too low. Um, because setting your deductibles low typically means um, that you have a higher premium. And in the case of property and casualty insurance, you know, this is the greater likelihood you're going to have small claims that would ultimately raise your premiums over the long term. I mean, insurance is designed to protect you against losses that you could not cover yourself. So if you can afford to pay the first 500 or 1,000 or even 5,000, in losses, you may need a lower deductible. You may not need a lower deductible. You may need a higher deductible. Mm -hmm. Okay. So consider your financial situation. You know, how much of the risk are you willing to assume before you make a claim and the insurance company pays on your claim? Ask yourself that question. You really need to think about how much of that loss you could pay yourself. You know, and John, one of my pet peeves is people that keep comprehensive coverage on a on an older vehicle mm-hmm. that may be only worth $5,000. So, you know, you need to look at your vehicle, look at all your coverage, but don't buy comprehensive coverage on a on a car that's, you know, seven or eight years old that you could afford to replace at that value because um, you're paying you're, you're paying out the nose for insurance coverage on something comprehensive coverage on something that's only worth five thousand or six thousand dollars yeah it's not worth not, not a good trade-off it's really not okay well that leads up to our break here but if you have questions you can email us at info at moneymd.net or you can give us a call at 706-739-0725 you're listening to money md with john and steve we'll be right back after these messages Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. And we are continuing our discussion here, or starting a new topic, actually, here um, following the break. And that is the, the uh, well, let me back up. We're actually going to do the prescription yeah, of the week. Prescription of the week. This is a, a small item, but it kind of gets to the spirit of, Saving money, right? We're all about saving yeah, a little bit are. and cutting back. and Anywhere you can. That's right. So, you know, be diligent about turning off lights before you leave. I mean, it's a simple step. Doesn't um, everybody do that? I mean, I don't, not everybody. I don't get that. I don't know. I mean, I have to, I mean, you have kids around the house, right? They leave lights on in, you know, in bathrooms and, you know, they're. That's true. I never trust my kids. Always, when they leave, I, I go behind them. I yeah. won't let them be the last one to leave the house. Yeah, there you go. You got to check behind them. And, you know, if you spend one minute turning off lights before a two-hour trip, you know, leaving the lights on for two hours, that's equivalent to earning 50 bucks an hour. It's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. All, it's something even bigger than the lights is the thermostats. Mm-hmm. Always go check your thermostats, because particularly after the kids leave. Because even if you have them on program, what they'll do is they'll go bump it up and push hold. Yeah. 
Well, you know, a hold does. Yeah, it's permanent off. hold. It's like forever. And so rather than just temporarily pushing it up, it'll be permanent. Yeah, so you have to right. go up there and reset those thermostats, say run program, you know, get it back so that it, I mean, if you don't have programmable thermostats, either, then you're, you're really in trouble. Either that or just get a uh, box to put over it, you know, and have a key to it and that'd no one can good. change it. That'd be good. Or just kind of wire up a little electrical circuit around it so that it, it electrocutes them a little bit. It just gives them a little jolt if they, <laughs> yeah. uh, if they mess with it. You're evil, Dr. Margaret. <laughs> yeah, but do watch those little pennies like that because that adds, adds up, up in a hurry does. and particularly thermostats. So it lights, lights too, no doubt. All right, that leads up to our last topic here, and that is a um, good article here out of TIA Craft. Um, that is the five ways to prepare your retirement in the new year, prepare for your retirement here in the new year. Yeah, you know, whether you're retiring in two years or, or 20 years, um, you know, leaving the workforce, you know, we see it. It's a big adjustment for folks. And, you know, if you're approaching this phase of life, and uh, you're probably going to have a lot of questions uh, to see if you're if you're ready financially to do that. And a recent survey by TIA Craft found that while more people are seeking retirement advice than a year ago, about half of the people struggle to find advice that they trust, which I found that to be interesting. Um, getting someone that would sit down and review your stuff and, and, and trusting what they're telling you is going to be the best process. So, no doubt. You know, it, uh, why it can be tempting to put off retirement planning, taking a couple steps now can certainly make uh, things easier in the long run. So we're going to dive into this. We've got five items on here that you can take a look at it for your own situation. If you're over the age of 50, you have a chance to catch up on contributions to your retirement account. In a 401k or 403b, you can actually contribute an extra $5,500 a year over the um, uh, the regular limits. Yeah, and you've got to take advantage of that. Yeah, the catch-ups are huge. And then in an IRA or a Roth, you can put an extra $1,000. And you know, if you do that for 12 years from 50 to age 62 and you can earn a 7% rate of return, you'll have over $100,000 more um, by just doing that one simple step. So Yeah, that's huge. And, I mean, theoretically, you know, once the – I mean, when, when you're about 50, that's when the kids should be out of the house, yeah, right? Yeah, that's you, right. If you plan properly and haven't had a kid when you're 45, you know, but uh, if you have, then – That happens. That happens, no you can, doubt. You can plan around that. You can. you got to just plan properly. But the bottom line is you, those last 10 years to retirement – Yeah. You need to hammer it, you know, and that's why the catch-up provision is there. You need to take advantage of it and make sure that you're you're on the glide path to retirement, and that's the time to do it when you hit 50, and and that's available to you. So, yep. Right. The other one here on the list is Social Security. I mean, that's a key topic we talk to a lot of retirees about. That's exactly right. And, you know, there are a lot of misconceptions when it comes to Social Security. I mean, retirees have different options for withdrawals. Um, they have options for claiming benefits and which are numerous and depend on your situation, you know. So you have to ask yourself, are you eligible for a spousal benefit? You do, do you draw at 62 or 66 mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. retirement age? Do you wait till 70? You know, do you draw as, uh, and then suspend your your uh, draw so that your spouse can draw a spousal benefit? There's a lot of options. There's a lot. There's a lot more than meets the eye with Social Security. So you really have to pay attention here. You know, I mean, the people in your family tend to live a long time is one of the questions you ask yourself. You know, how many years do you plan to work? You know, are you concerned about your beneficiaries? Of course mm-hmm. you are. So you got to factor all that in when you're planning for Social Security. Yeah, I sat down with a, um, a, a couple this last week, and the, the, the lady was frantic. She's like, you know, um, she stayed at home, helped a little bit out with the business, but doesn't have a big Social Security amount. And she was just really upset and started looking into her situation, and she can actually file for a spousal benefit and almost triple 
her benefits. So there's a lot of different ways that you can look at Social Security. We have a great planning tool that we use with our clients that can uh, help you optimize because it can it can make a difference of hundreds of thousands of dollars over your lifetime. So it's an area that you want to spend some time in, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Number three here on the list is a, create a plan for generating retirement income. I mean, you know, prior to retirement, you're focused on building your nest egg. But, you know, as retirement nears, your focus should shift um, on the right ways for that nest egg to generate income um, once your paycheck stops. I mean, at some point, you have to replace your W-2 income and you want to make sure that your savings can last through your through your golden years. So, you know, some important steps to take for building that retirement income plan, including, you know, having a floor. And the way we kind of view that, um, you know, in our retirement planning process is is having different buckets of money. We like an income bucket, right, which can give you some income during tough tough times. And you have a growth bucket, which when the markets are doing well, like they did last year and the year before that, you can pull some money out of that. So if you have good diversification, historically, that's been a pretty good way of of generating consistent income out of the portfolio, right? Yeah, that's a key, no doubt about that. Um, yeah, next one on the list here is uh, supplement a late start. So, yeah, if you get a late start on retirement, you may find yourself performing financial acrobatics to catch up with your savings. You know, while that may not be ideal, um, they say here meeting with a professional 10 years before retirement can make a big difference. So, you know, here are some of the techniques for making retirement a reality on limited savings. Reduce your spending through cuts, such as switching cell phone plans or foregoing cable TV. You know, consider downsizing to a smaller home after your kids have left the house. Um, that's a great way to take some of your equity out and be mm-hmm. able to, uh, you know, get that working for you toward retirement. You know, consider working past the typical retirement age of 65, you know, to, to both build your savings and reduce the number of years that you'll be drawing from your savings. Maybe you can cut back to just part-time work instead of retiring. Yeah, and, and another thing you can do if you're a number of years off from retirement, try to increase your savings rate by a percent per year. Yeah, just um, gradually, you know, turn up the heat a little bit. Yeah, we um, we recommend fifteen percent as a savings amount. Many most people we we meet with don't save that level, but if you do that over the the course of the years, after you know five, six, seven, eight years, you can be at that level, and you've kind of adjusted your lifestyle and your your income has increased. So it kind of all snowballs and, and helps you out. And the fifth one here on the list of the the five ways to prepare for your retirement in the new year is is uh, meet with a financial advisor or planner, right? Of course, I didn't yeah. put this on here, but um, this is a this is a good one. We're obviously uh, believers in that, and creating a plan with an advisor can help you achieve a financially secure retirement. Um, more than half of working Americans prefer to receive one-on-one financial advice from an advisor, and that's according to a, a recent survey by TIA Cref. And you know, much as you, most people go to a doctor once a year to get a checkup. You know, talk with your financial advisor regularly. Make sure that you're on track for retirement. You know, as an advisor, an advisor typically can help you figure out how much you need to save, um, you know, your current lifestyle, you need to make some changes and so forth. Uh, they can help you look at Social Security, which we talked about earlier, and, and, and life insurance. And, and, you know, your financial advisor should be able to help you in a lot of different areas, not just the investment piece of it, but kind of look over across a broad spectrum and make sure you're, you're covered um, financially. And, you know, in addition, you know, your advisor should be able to look at your investments in your retirement portfolio Check it out and see if you're too heavily in one sector. Um, a couple I sat down with us last week had most of their investments just in U.S. stocks. And uh, U.S. stocks have done well, but, again, we're believers in diversification and having some some international and some small stocks. So they ought to be able to look inside, open up the hood on your 
portfolio and see kind of what you're holding. So, Yeah, that is a key. I mean, you want to get advice even from more than one person. You know, I mean, it's. I think it says in, in Proverbs um, that wisdom is found in, in the, you know, counsel of mm-hmm. many advisors or something like to that effect, paraphrased, yeah. okay? And so uh, you just need to check with people. You check with your tax accountant. You can, um, you know, meet with them, um, meet with, you know, just just wise people that yeah. are around you. I mean, lawyers are good good resources. I mean, right. from an estate standing um, standpoint, your insurance agent. Use all your resources and, and get some good advice. Sit down with a good financial planner. Have a plan. You know, put the numbers on paper. See what it looks like. Have a budget. Don't go in retirement without a budget. Yes. You know, just do some planning. That's really the bottom line here. And get some wise advice if you don't know how to vet yourself. So, all right, good topic. Well, that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD with John and Steve. Tune in next Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. And do check us on our website, moneymd.net. Email us your questions. We would love to hear from you. You can email us at info at moneymd.net, or you can give us a call, John and Steve at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend, and stay tuned for Doug Allen and the Spirit of Racing coming right up. A legend in his own mind. Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed local provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor, securities sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC.